We are moving into Genesis 3. We're moving into the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're moving into Eve and then into Adam. We're actually there now, almost. Almost. I, I was really doing good. I was going to get us there and probably even get us through it. And then I had questions. And then I went to the questions. So all I can tell you is from where we are right now, we can see it. It's, it's that close. But I want to address some questions. When we start talking about this, this okay, why was there this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why did God put that in the garden? What was the, what was the purpose of that? And if, again, um, let me... Let me put this up, and then I think you guys, maybe it'll help clarify some things. There, there's, a, there's like, in my mind, there's three major categories that the garden story fits into. There's the literal. Which is just as it's written. There's, what, what, Sue, you have the notes. What did I call the second one on Saturday? I forgot, I just had, I'm old now. Oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. I didn't put that in my notes. Now, well, we'll move on to the third one while she finds the second one. The, the, the third one is that it is just that. It's just, it's just a story. And from the story, you know, it is an allegory. And we, we just draw thoughts from the story. We see it and maybe we can come up with some kind of life application maybe from the story. But it's just a story. And then there's this one in the middle. We're so close. <laughs> it was a it was a freedom reigns. Those those are all really good answers, by the way. Huh? Okay, inspired. Yeah, that and that's actually my term. Instead of. Because I can spell inspired. Allegorical messes me up at times. So if I'm giving it names, I stay where I'm safe as much as I can. So there's, so there's the inspired, which, which is where I'm at. So for, the liter- for those that would see the first three chapters of Genesis from a literal standpoint, it is just as it's written. Everything was created in seven days. There were two people. One name was Adam. One name was Eve. There was a tree of life. There was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was a serpent. Somehow the serpent talked to the woman. They had an agreement. The woman offered that to the man. He went along with the plan. Now they had an agreement, and that brought a problem. They get kicked out. We know that story. It's, it's literal. The difficulty with... with 
in my mind, the difficulty, if I take the liberal approach, the literal, not liberal, if I take the literal <laughs> approach, the liberal's down here, if I take the literal approach, then I'm saying that, that humanity is 6,000 years old, which just doesn't work. It's older than 6,000 years. We can't, we can't fit the timeline into the literal. That, and that's, a, that's one problem we have to address. The other problem we have to address with the literal is we have one man, one woman, two boys. who then get wives. And we have to deal with that. Because what, what, what I want us to see and what I'm hoping as we go through this whole thing is that from my view, I want the Bible to tell me what the Bible is telling me. Right? But I also want to be honest with the Scripture and I want to be able to look at the Scripture and go, there... The, there are issues that we have to deal with. And if we're going to be honest, if we're going to be sincere about, is the Bible the inspired, gives us the inspired picture of God? Is that what the scriptures do? Or is it just a story that's been written by a whole bunch of people over time and all I'm supposed to do is just get, well, that's kind of a neat story and I think I can apply, it has a message to it. It has a, a point to it, and I think I can apply that to my life. So I don't, I don't accept the literal chronology of the first three chapters of Genesis. I do believe it's inspired. I believe it's an accurate story. I believe that it's God expressing through the writers, through the ancient writers, God expressing who he is, how we got to where we are with him, and ultimately what the answer to the problem is. So in the inspired, as we've, now I'm going back to where we first started, when we look at the word Adam, the word Adam is not a capital A, there was this man named Adam. Adam means humanity. In the beginning there was humanity. When we look through the first two chapters of Genesis, what we see is, God creates, but then he also says to the sea, now see, you bring forth the creatures. Now land, you bring forth the trees. The way the scripture's reading, it's not trying to consolidate everything into 24-hour blocks of time and only six of those. But God is involved in creation. It's his idea. He is the creator. He is Yahweh Elohim. We've covered all that. And yet, what he's, he then creates, but then within what he's created, there's further creation that happens that's built into what he already created. Does that make sense? Well, so for me, it's an inspired. It's, inspired. it's God telling us something. It, it is him working through the ancient writers of the scriptures. The other... The other piece that we have to look at, and there's no way around this, we just, it, is, it is the historical history of the scriptures, and it doesn't make any difference where I want to land here. I still have to deal with it. Genesis, and actually the first five 
books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, we know, and I say we know, somebody challenged me on that. Well, who's the we? You always say we know. Well, the biblical scholars know, and I accept their study as being legitimate because it's backed up by multiple things. But biblical scholars know because of the ancient writings that are available and because of the language that it was actually written in, and we talked about language a little bit ago when we talked about the Ugaric writings, that the first five books of the Bible, and actually even the rest of them through, um, through the historical books, but when I say historical books, keep in mind the prophets were in the historical books, not the way our Bibles are, it's like, the history books, and then the prophets came along and they were all by themselves. No, they were actually in the kings, in kings, prophesying to the kings and so forth. So prophets in a Hebrew Bible, prophets are part of the history. So when the Jewish Old Testament was canonized or was sealed or was agreed upon that this is the inspired writings... That work took place during the Babylonian captivity and was completed when they came out of Babylon. So everything we're reading in our Old Testaments, it was in the same way that we have somebody that writes something and then somebody rewrites that. The, the biblical writers were using previous manuscripts and oral tradition that has been handed down. That's what they wrote. That's what was canonized. And if we're going to claim to have honest integrity with the scriptures, which I believe we should, we have to address those issues. And I think we don't need to be afraid of it. It doesn't mean that somehow the Bible now isn't anything. No, it's actually more than, it, than I've ever given it credit for. I don't want anybody to hear in anything that I'm teaching that somehow I'm doing away with, with the, the inspiration of Scripture. It's just fabulous to me because now that I can see a little bit better, I actually see that the Bible is saying more about the Bible than I ever gave Bible, the Bible credit for. But because I have been trained in my thinking to not see things the way I'm currently then, in a sense, certain scripture that was in plain view was obscured, and I couldn't see it because I set it into a particular framework, all right? Everybody okay with that? Okay. So we, have, we get into this thing now with, as we start to come into the garden. So why, why did we need the tree of life And, of course, the tree of good and evil. And I think that's a legitimate question. It's like, in some cases, in a way this story can get presented at times, God just set us up for a, for a failure. If he had just left the daggone tree of good and evil out of the garden, there had been no problem. 
But you put it in there, and then you say, don't eat of it. And then, when we did eat of it, you got mad, and you kicked us out of the garden. We didn't make the tree. We didn't even make it look enticing. But when we looked at it, we saw that it was good. It was good to my eyes, and it was good to eat. But I didn't make the stupid tree. You made it. And then you take me, little old Eve, and just set me up with that tree. And then when I don't do so well, you're mad at me. I mean, that's how the flannel graph told it. Right? Not only that, but again, I'm just a poor human being. So one minute, I'm over here. Life is good. There's this tree. I pay attention to the tree. A couple things happen. And now I become desperately wicked. Just like that. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Deceitfully wicked above all things. That's the heart I have. Again, that's what the flannel graph has told me. And the evangelist. This is what I want us to, to, hopefully we can grasp this. Hopefully I can grasp, can grasp this. We've talked about this. I was created, you were created to be an imager. I was created to be an imager of God. You were created to be that. And God defines what being an imager looks like. So this is the, one of the first questions when I started thinking about this whole thing of the garden is there's a question of freedom and there's a question of predestination. And depending on how we've been taught, we're going to have def- different lenses for how we see that. Some would say that my, uh, as an imager, um, how do I want to put this? Well, let me put it this way. God, I'll follow my notes. That would be good. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to start arguing with myself in front of y'all. I, I saved that for my office. <laughs> oh, crap, I got five minutes. What? What? I don't even want to, I don't even want to run that risk. Okay, let me... Let me just, for, for today, let me just plant this. So, if I am created in the image of God, then I have to first address freedom. Because God is free. God is free... In choice, God is free in thinking. God is free. 
And if I'm created in the image of God, I am created to be free. Yeah, that sounds good, and I like being free. But the problem with being free, free has to make room for a choice counter to what I would like somebody to make a choice from. Otherwise, they're not free. We're reduced to either control, coercion, but we're not free. If I don't have an option in a decision, it's not a decision. It's just a command. And the very first thing we have to look at is, as I'm created in the image of God, I am created, Adam, Eve, humanity was created free. Why was the tree there? Because there has to be the ability to make decision. So, We'll talk about this next week. But for God as creator, in this freedom that he is, he took this. He took the risk because he had decided that having imagers that were free was of greater value than not having imagers, just having robots. And so he was willing to take the risk because and you, you can't love without risk. You can't do it. So, he knew that his imagers could not be fully trusted. He knew that the divine counsel couldn't fully be trusted. I'm not sure where we came up with the idea that all in the unseen realm, that they all just do what they're told and can't do anything else. I don't care whether you're seen or not seen. You have free will. And we're going to start looking at what that obviously looks like. But we are imagers of God. We have he who the Son sets free is free indeed. I can't be set free if all I am is put in a place where I have no choice. That's not free indeed. His invitation to us is, I'm going to set you free, and I'm going to set you free indeed. But the way you walk in freedom is to love. And anytime I don't love, I'm not walking in freedom. I'm walking in some deception, some lie, some, something undone in me, whether I either need to control you, I don't care what, what my motivation is, if I'm not walking in love, then I'm not really free. Jesus came 
He said, I, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like for a human to be in right relationship with the Creator. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I wish I could say that's my life. I know full well at 65 that's not where I'm at yet. But if I want to, if he says, come and see my face, and I say, your face is all that I want to see, all I'm really saying is, God, you've got to teach me how to do this. Because this doesn't come natural to me. There's still something that trips me up, and I don't love well. But when I do love well, I am an imager of God. And with that, I have to go. You all talk amongst yourselves. Let's get out of here.